On today's podcast, we talk with Jason Hotelling, who is now the offensive line coach at Colgate. Uh, you'll remember the last time we talked to him, he was the head football coach at Wagner, and we're excited about the move he's made. We're excited to have him back on the podcast. If you hadn't listened to his previous episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to that one as well. We will link that in our show notes. So joining me on the podcast again, Coach Hotelling from Colgate. Great to have you here. Keith, what's up, man? Great to be here. Couldn't be more excited to talk some ball. Well, Coach, we, you know, we talked about and kind of game plan this before we got going, and I got excited right away when you said you wanted to talk about some wide zone, and it's something we've talked about here on the podcast with different people. Had a great one with Minnesota's Brian Callahan. We'll link that in the show notes as well. This play is really, it's, it's made, not that it's gone away, but it's made a huge comeback. You've seen it at the forefront here as, you know, the – Mike Shanahan coaching tree has really come to, to prominence in the NFL and and then just people who have worked with it before. A lot of this, I think, stems from, you know, what Alex Gibbs put together. I know when I first learned it and, and going back some time, it was around 2003 season ended and we, we decided we want to make a move to this. And so we were going to study it and, and went away with like, I mean, this is not very digital at the time, but I ended up having like this this four inch, I have it still sitting right next to, to me on the shelf here, this four inch binder of, of research, of articles, of notes, of we'd go through in any kind of film we could watch, take notes on tapes at the time because it was VHS, so really dating myself there. But, you know, the thing is, like, when you say wide zone or you say stretch, like, that's still a very generic term, that there's obviously a lot of different ways and a lot of variations in how you can do that for our listeners i guess if it'd be best if you kind of give us that overview first of you know exactly the type of wide zone you're talking about well i think you know you brought up alex gibbs and you brought you know talked about how it's the play's kind of been had a rebirth i guess with with kyle shanahan and, and mike shanahan going back to alex gibbs but you know if you look at the nfl now and you take a look at offensively, three of the four teams that were in the in the playoffs to the end run the wide zone, the stretch, all the play actions off of it. You know, if you look at uh, the Packers, you have uh, Coach LaFleur, who you know, was with Coach Shanahan in Atlanta, Tennessee. You have, you know, Keith Carter's the O-line coach there, Arthur Smith's the offensive coordinator, and, and Coach LaFleur was at Tennessee prior to going to Green Bay. So, and then obviously the 49ers and their, their stretch play. So, I mean, I, I, obviously it's a great play and it's a great scheme. I think from our standpoint, you know, we took it over. We started incorporating it at, at my previous school in 2016. Uh, we were lucky enough to to get a a guy by the name of Rich Scangarello, who was the Broncos offensive coordinator last year. I mean, he brought the play from Atlanta to Wagner and and then we incorporated it into the pro style offense. So, that's kind of the background and, and, you know, as far as I go with the play and, and Keith Carter and I actually GA'd together at Wagner way back in 06. And, you know, he, he fell in love with the play at, in Atlanta with coach Shanahan and Chris Morgan, the O-line coach there. So I'm lucky enough. I get to talk about this play and this game a lot with some of the guys and, and now making the move to Colgate, you know, the, just the rich tradition of, of winning and running the football and everything, coach hunting everybody up here, just a great, great program. And I think the one thing that kind of marries up, you talked about Alex Gibbs, and I would say that my first experience with Alex Gibbs was I couldn't believe how much he coached the running back, you know, and the reads and all that stuff. And that's where it marries up 
you know, to what Colgate does and, and what we do at Colgate as far as just the, the precision and the details that go into coaching the running back reads once he gets the football in his hand or the quarterback, you know, when he pulls it. So the, the wide zone and the tight zone marry up pretty well for our system here at Colgate too. So excited about it. Yeah, it's it's something, you know, you, you hear guys talk about, you know, what, what schemes do you run and, and how much. And I think the, the thing that we looked at when we put in the stretch play, you know, that, that was the play. And you, you hear different philosophies. Like, you start with the inside zone, and then, then stretch is, is something that is a great complement to it. Well, we started with the stretch. We knew what we had. We had these really – I mean, when you think back go, – go back to the, the, to the Broncos and, and what they did with Gibbs and Shanahan, you know, those were small, athletic offensive lines. And, and you know, for us, we were a small, athletic offensive line, a high school level having – you know, a bunch of guys who were in, you know, really good offensive guys at, at the high school level, but in the range of like 5'11 to maybe 6'2. I think we might have got a guy in there at one point. It was 6'3. Never really had any of those those Division One studs, but they were all athletic. They could all run. They all had great feet. They were strong. So we were able to do some things inside with, with you know, a, a tight zone play. But really, that worked because we were really getting the defense to distort on stretch. And so everything we did, you know, especially how we married up the backfield, initially, if if you're looking at that, you'd say, man, it, everything looks like stretch, right? Our, our play action, of course, off of that as well. And, you know, year one, when we got into it, we, we held on to some plays that we had run before. I know counter, we ran a trap play. We ran a little you know, front side guard kick out down everybody else's gap down type of play. We held on to those for a couple of years, but by the, by the third year of running it, it, it was, you know, we said, why do we, we don't even need those anymore. We just ran the, the stretch play. We ran our inside zone play and then the play action off of it. And I mean, you know, every now and then we, we'd throw some quick to take advantage of things a little bit, a sprint out play action, which was really start again. When you first looked at it, it looked like the quarterback was going a handoff stretch. And then all of a sudden he's popping the ball out in the flat. And then, you know, we would try to stay out and we were never in third and long very much. So we didn't have to use very much of a drop back game, but that was primarily for verts because we get a lot of eight in the box. So probably we could have leaned on pass more, but it was like one of those things I told you for us, first two years that averaged like 10.7 yards per carry and was about 30 percent of our calls like you know if, if you if you can do it well it really gets the rest of your offense going there's no question and, and anytime you know you can force a defense and, and this goes back to a little bit of the the you know when the spread first came out it's like okay force them to defend the whole field and and all that. And I think when you run the wide zone, you do force guys to defend the whole field. And, and it's hard to defend a team when all the gaps are moving that fast and that far, you know, and I think that's one of the, the deals is, you know, as you implement the, the wide zone play, I think the first thing you got to figure out, and again, this is a, this is just a kind of a, a broad spectrum of it is how are you handling the support players? You know, how are you handling DBs? Are you, are you pushing tight ends and tackles to safeties or are you telling the offensive line and tight ends and fullbacks, we're going to block the box and the receivers are going to handle the DBs, you know, and that's something that I think if you watch, 
with some of this extra time we have with video, it was great. I actually watched the entire 49ers season from last year and working on a couple others now. But if you just watch their receivers and just watch, and I think the Broncos are really good at it and Titans as well and the Packers, but all the guys who ran the system, you know, you watch their receivers explode off the football, go to, you know, run a push crack. It looks just like a post, you know, but if you watch them the first three seconds of every play, it looks the same pretty much. And I think if you watch every position on offense, the first three seconds of every play look the same. And it's hard for a defense to, to see the difference. You know, we had a discussion the other day about play action pass and, you know, well, it just doesn't look the same. Well, I think when you can marry it up, and I think that's when play action pass really obvious, and it's an obvious statement, but there's a lot of teams out there that their play action doesn't look like their run game, you know, and I do think that helps. So, you know, so the first thing we'll always talk about is, okay, how are we going to handle the support players in these, in these uh, formations? And you talked about not having a ton of plays. Well, everybody who wants to run the wide zone needs to understand that those combinations are not easy. And what I mean when I say that, it might look easy on a board, but it's going to feel differently for the O-lineman depending on the, you know, the, whether it's a five technique, a four, a four technique, a four eye, and you have to rep those things. So, and rep them a lot. You know, I, I think individual, you can only do so, so much. And I think the more combinations you can be in an individual, as opposed to hitting a sled is, and again, there's nothing wrong with hitting a sled. I'm not saying that. I just think the more combinations you can have against people, and the feel of guys getting off a block this way, getting off a block that way is advantageous for the zone game, but it ha- you have to be committed to it. You have to be committed to these combinations. You know, so we talked about how do you handle and support. Now the next part is, okay, where do you have leverage? You know, if you get into a two tight end set, do you have, you know, would you rather run it to a three, five, and a nine, you know, a heavy loaded front? Or would you rather run it to a a G, a six I, and a stacked will backer with two high safeties? Well, obviously you want to run it to the G and the six I, as opposed to when you're running wide zone. So, you know, one of the very first plays that I, I had to have a high school buddy who he runs a similar offense, and he said the same. One of the very first plays he's going to put in is wide zone right, check wide zone left, and you can line up in any format, any defense, and you know, you're going to have an answer. Well, you know, unless you're going to play cover zero and just blitz everybody every play. I mean, I, don't, I still haven't found an offense that completely beats that unless you just throw the fade ball up or throw a slant or sprint or something like that. So, you know, the wide zone's not going to cure a, a zero pressure all the time. But, but as far as just putting in wide zone right, check, wide zone left, you know, and you have basic rules for your how you're handling the support players. You're always going to be in a good play. So that's something that that we'll we would implement day one as well. And then the next part is our two man combinations. We want to be in as many two man combinations as possible. We don't want to be full zoning things and running down the line of scrimmage. Because I mean, I when I first started running the offense at Wagner and we were running wide zone. A lot of it was, it almost looked like, you know, everyone uses that analogy, elephants on parade a little bit. Well, I felt like the wall was just moving down the line of scrimmage towards the sideline 
we were never piercing the defense. We were never denting the defense. And a lot of times we just get stretched out for no gain. So when you incorporate the two-man combinations, I think you create gaps, and then you just read it from the widest gap to the tightest gap. You know, you start with a D, C, B, A, and just making sure that the running back is pressing the offensive lineman's heels and not cutting on air. And I think that goes back to the Alex Gibbs stuff. I mean, I thought Alex Gibbs, there's a YouTube clinic of him that, I mean, and I was with Florida, right? He's with the Florida staff, I think. Yes, you're exactly right. And I, I was a, I don't know, I say a young coach. I don't know what year it was, but I just couldn't believe the detail that went into coaching the tailback, you know, as far as his cuts and why he's making it and all that. And I think that in the NFL now and, and, and some of the, the college uh, teams, you can see that, you know, they're just kind of riding the wave. And if he can, he goes outside to inside to back outside sometimes as he continues to stretch it. So all good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to go back to those two-man combos and how we we practice. And again, this was installed at, for us first at the high school level. And I can remember, man, doing – I, I clinic talked on this one all over the place for like two years. Like I just had the same presentation, didn't really need to change it, except here's, you know, here's the stats. And they always just kept getting better. But two-man combinations was a big part of our practice. And, and for us, I look back in those days too and – you know, we, we wanted to, you know, be cognizant of not always banging bodies. So we, we had shields. I know when we looked at it, the shields we got to were kind of more of, of like the outline of a, a player. They weren't the square pads. So they were tighter in the middle or thinner in the middle and kind of looked like if you were looking at the at right at a player, you know, being able to strike those different aim points. We actually had, there were numbers on them as well. Uh, later on, when I was at places that had flat pads, you know, for division three spring ball, we just put a, a set of shoulder pads on the shield and we had all those aim points and that was really good as well. But, you know, whether it was with those shields or against bodies, we would get into groups of four and, you know, show the defense real quickly. Like, here's where we want you to move and work through any kinds of looks they could see, change up the looks. And like, that was, that was our individual period. Those, that was really our drills for that. Now we would get into, you know, a, a little bit of, of uh, the three and, and I mean, it's crazy. We would do overload. So we'd have a, you know, four, even five man surface, but like, it's still really boiled down to those two man combinations, no matter what surface you were going to be in. So we worked the heck out of those. Yeah, no, the two man combinations. I mean, you just goes again, this goes all the way back. I think it's a little bit different. So like, for example, you know, if we're running wide zone to the right. Okay. And, and I think the backside combinations are, are, are just as important. And if you watch, if you watch some of the Tennessee Titans from this past season, I mean, their backside combinations were just washing guys all the way by the center. I mean, it was, it was just a great job by those guys, but so if I started with the three technique to the right, our right guard is, is going to make a solid call. Okay. So if we had a three to the right and a, a G backside or a shade on the center backside, excuse me. So you got right guard, you got center, you got left guard in the middle. So our three, our right guard is going to say solid, solid. And he's going to take his eyes and he's going to put his eyes to the far number and he's going to put his right, his out, his wide zone hand, his right hand on the pit, and his inside inside hand on the sternum. 
And he's, he's got to know I have no help behind me. So when, if that three technique spikes, he knows he has to catch him with his, his catch hand, his backside hand, and wheel on him and keep him as close to the line of scrimmage as he can. Okay? Now we go back to our two-man combination, the center and the backside guard, okay, on the shade on the center. That center knows he is working to the weak side inside, okay? We're always trying to work back. We're always trying to, to not be out leveraged front side, okay? And so he's going to take his eyes, run it through the pit, the play side pit of the guy on him, the shade. The backside guard's going to throw his eyes all the way to the play side number of that shade. And we're going to try and split the defense, okay, by reaching that shade and walling the backside backer. And there's some great clips uh, of the Niners this year, of the, all those teams we talked about already of doing those things. And it just ends up splitting the defense and you're going to dent the defense a little more. So that's kind of kind of how we've done it is, okay, if you're in combination, your eyes go to the far pit, your inside go, hand go to the far number, and your outside hand goes to the shoulder tip. If you're the second guy in the combination, your eyes go to the far number, and your hands go to the far number, your play side hand goes to the far number, backside hand gets to the sternum. So if you're the second guy, it's like you're in a solid block, like you're by yourself. Because if he does go two gaps back, you do have to wheel on him. Yeah, very very important. And, and those were things we we learned right away and, and drilled all the time. And, you know, our, our approach with that was, I mean, you hear a, a lot of different things. Like, we'll get, we'll get into elephants on parade and run off the ball and all those kinds of, I guess, teaching points in, in a minute. But as, as we were looking at it, you know, you had your covered guy meaning there's somebody in his gap and you had your, your uncovered guy, no one there. And if he was uncovered, we were, we were telling him, we really want you working to actually overtake that next gap. The worst thing we, we would see is when that guy climbed and there was air between him and the next lineman. And, and we got to eventually using a term, I want to say I heard it from Trickett, they eat grass, right? And I I don't remember. I think it was could have been a cool clinic thing or whatever. Whatever. But to eat grass, meaning take out that space between you and the next guy. And then, of course, early on, one of the things you figure out is like the the defense sees that maybe they can get get your guy to engage quick and then come right off his backside hip because he you know he he takes his eyes all the way over, lose focus on that guy. So our coaching point then we're eating grass, but was have eyes for the run through right so we know where that point is we're going to work towards that point but we still got to be wary of that linebacker who's over top of it instead of running and you know as those gaps move running and maintaining a gap he waits for a gap to open and takes it and and that's exactly it then whether it's a a down lineman who's spiking back whether it's a linebacker who's trying to slow play and run the gap is you can end up wheeling on that guy but ultimately what this does and what you want is you want movement. And I remember early on, it was so hard with our scout team at the high school level. They would just get reached quick and it wasn't simulating what we knew we were going to see based on film, what was in the game. So we went to, we would have just stretch periods and we would run it from all our different looks, personnel groupings, whatever. And those guys would line up and, and initially we just gave them shields and, and told them, I want you on the snap to run to the sideline <laughs> like don't get reached we would tell them we had to tell them like don't get reached on this play 
because we knew the defense was going to fight. But then how does that work for the back? Well, now the, the picture in practice really starts to look like the picture in the game. Good defenders are not going to get reached. And you've, you've said it a couple times now, Alex Gibbs coaching the backs. You know, that was kind of the approach. We still had a running backs coach, and we kind of never wanted to, like, step on another coach's toes. But we made it very clear that the way we did it, the, the O-line coach could work with the back because he needed to teach them where exactly where. Don't cut off air. Cut off heels. And those details, I mean, that play – it does take a lot of time on task. It does take details. That's why we ended up cutting out from the beginning, and then we cut more as we got going with it and got good at it. We didn't need those security blanket plays and felt we had enough answers within our zone schemes to do it. But it's it's fun talking about it because exactly, exactly what you said, the detail, all these details. I mean, it's fun coaching a play that's this detailed, and you get your players to understand it because you work it again and again and again, see those results. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no question. And exactly what you said, you know, talking about there being air between, you know, the two guys that are in combination, you know, that that's the issue. It's okay. If you're in combination, you can't leave him. You know, you're, it's like Top Gun, you know, the movie Top Gun, you're his wingman. You can't leave him Maverick, you know, Um, like you can't leave that guy until you know that that guy's playing the B gap, you know? So if I'm a center working with, with the right guard and we're, we're going to, we're going to combo a three, you know, a three technique. I, I know if I'm a center, I'm running three steps through that gap. If, and if I'm the right guard, yeah, you have help, but if you haven't reached them, okay, just widen them. You know, that's the thing is it just becomes a feel of when you can just widen a guy versus when you think you have to flip your hips and wall a guy versus when the three spikes and the center overtakes and he reaches them. And then the, and then the guard was working to the backside inside as he's looping over, you know, it's all feel. And, you know, we want guys to climb as quick as possible as long as they're not helping a guy to the front side of the, of the wide zone. You know, if that center is working a backside a you know a back backside combination with the backside guard we want to stab and climb and get to that second level but we can't go too quick because the guard needs to reach it so it's there's so much detail and so much so many reps that are necessary and individual that i found at my previous stop that we would spend a lot of time working with the d-line And it it just, it helped us a ton because it is, it's hard to get the scout teams, whether it's high school, college pros, whatever. I mean, the the look specific detail that's necessary to get good at running the wide zone is it's, it's so much, I I shouldn't say harder, but it's so much better. It's so much more detailed coaching the look team. I mean, the cards and everything that when Rich Scangarello came to, to Wagner in 16, I mean, I was lucky enough to go down and study with, with the Falcons and, and coach Quinn is unbelievable. As far as a guy who represents this profession, he is, he is great to everybody, but just watching them draw cards and, and do all these things and, and seeing the detail that was required and everything that went into it. I mean, certainly realized really quick why they were good on offense. Yeah. I want to get into some of this, of these other things I already mentioned here. We would, I do want to make one more point on the back, and this goes back to you know Alex Gibbs stuff, and then I can remember this is this let's see around the 2003 or so. I'm getting into using PowerPoint a lot and still shots, and 
And so we utilize this to teach our, our running backs that this play, this, this wide zone actually doesn't, from a technical standpoint, you could say it has a cutback, but it really doesn't. Because if you watch how the play develops, and, if, and what I used to do all the time is I would take this, this still, these still shots frame after frame, and I would put on the field the, the landmark, right? So we're, here's where our landmark is for the running back. And you see the line moving. And so it gets into the first, you know, after the first step. And now it looks like it's behind the tackle. It gets into the third step. And now it looks like it's behind the guard. You know, a couple steps in, it, it's, it looks like it's going all the way behind the center. But in reality, the defense has run so much to not get reached that the play is not cutting on an angle backwards. You are actually making a perpendicular cut to the line of scrimmage. You are cutting up not back. Now you'll see these guys a lot of times that they'll they'll get through level two like that and hit that seam. And the last guy left may have run over the top two and then he might cut it back and end up on like the other hash or even other sideline to get away from pursuit. But initially that's going to be a cut up. And whether that's behind the center or behind a tackle or behind a guard, it's perpendicular. No question. And that uh, John Benton, the O-line coach of the of the 49ers gives a great cool clinic. I forget what he calls it. It's the third step. I don't know if it's the point of no return or if it's the, I forget the exact phrase he uses, but so if the, if the tailbacks run in wide zone and he goes, okay, he goes D gap, it's closed. He stays into the line of scrimmage. It goes C gaps. It's closed. And then he cuts vertical and it actually goes behind the guard. Well, if that three technique, you know, as long as the guard stays on him and goes vertical with that guy, the three technique, even if the three technique starts to fall off and make the play, well, he's making the play at four and a half to five yards. As long as the tailbacks stand on the behinds and heels of those offensive linemen, this is a physical play and you're getting 45 degree angles and you're just running and you're taking guys on the angles. You find them. And by time that running back has worked his way all the way back to the a gap, now, the A-gap's all the way out now where the C-gap probably was to the start to play, but it's also four yards downfield. Yeah, and you mentioned John Benton and Scangrello you know, just a few weeks back. They were at our national conference in Louisville, so I had the, the opportunity to talk with those guys a little bit. We all ended up at, at dinner right there. I forget, is it like 4th Street or something like that in, in, in downtown Louisville, and got the opportunity to sit down with John, and I think, yeah, tight ends coach from Army, Matt Drink, all joined us, and so did... Mike Hallett and was what's great in those is like you would have thought there was a lot of ball talking on but those guys are just so down to earth it was just like talking about life and family and stuff like that so I had all that all that technical knowledge in front of me but you know that's we just we just hung out so incredible guys we're excited to have both of those guys working with us through the quarterback collective at USA football yeah, no, they're great. I mean, that whole, I've been lucky enough to meet them, you know, through Keith and Rich and, and, you know, Coach Morgan, Chris Morgan in Atlanta and all those guys. And, and you know, Coach Benton, I met him at the Combine a couple of years ago when Rich went to San Francisco. And just great, you know, great guys and, and, and guys who definitely put a, a nice light on this profession. And you can talk to them. You know, it's, it's just good people. So moving ahead, again, all the different methods that people talk about and teach in this play. And I think maybe maybe it's the people who don't major in it, right? But the whole idea of elephants on parade or just run off the ball, I think that leaves 
and, and I'm sure the guys who say that in clinics, right, they, they go into coach the detail, but I think that leaves a lot to question, a lot up in the air, a lot of detail out of it if, if you're just coaching it that way. Right. Well, the thing that I used to run into is I, I didn't have answers for the offensive linemen as far as, well, coach, I, I went to the right. You know, if we're going wide zone right, I went to the right. No one came in my gap. Well, you went to the right. You went really, really flat. The backside backer ran through. Yes, it was in your backside gap, but, you know, you were supposed to slow down to block him because really that's the guy who has the front side gap that you're blocking. You know, so I just felt we weren't comboing two people. A lot of times we were just blocking areas when I first, you know, ran this play and, and tried to teach it. And I think the greatest thing is to give them, to give them rules, to give them, okay, this combination's working to this point, this combination's working to this point, you know, and then throw the security blanket out there. Hey, if he runs through and it's, if it's a blitz, yeah, block your gap. You know, and, and, and again, there's different ways to do that. If you have a fullback, maybe you don't block your gap in blitz and all those. But but the security blanket we always gave them, even the last couple of years, is we don't want any run-throughs. We want nobody running in our backfield. So if you get pulled off your combination because of a blitz, it's okay. Block your gap. Just win your gap. And then it's almost a pizza theory where, okay, if I'm the backside guard and I was supposed to be working a backside, some guys call it a B block. So, okay. So if I'm the left guard and I'm the left tackle and there's a three and we're working to the stacked linebacker. Okay. So we're running wide zone to the right. I'm the left guard and I'm working my backside combination with the left tackle. And all of a sudden, you know, middle X pressure comes. Well, I now have a guy that's blitzing in my front side. Hey, I'm going to end up taking him. And now the center and right guard will end up working to the other backer who was mine. So it's almost, we said pizza theory. If I take yours, you're going to take mine type of deal. And again, that comes down to repetition and working the most common blitzes and movements within this scheme. You know, the pretty picture defenses, God bless America. You know, you, you rep those, rep those, rep those, and it becomes a, a point where it's easy for the guys. So I think we're we're blocking blitzes as much or some type of movements as much as we are pretty picture defenses in practice. You know, I, I mean, I know that gets frustrating sometimes because it's not going to look great you know, uh, all the time. But again, I think when you challenge them and you say, Hey, this is what we're going to get. We're going to get middle X. We're going to get smack pressure, you know, America's favorite blitz with the Sam and Mike and not so much the drop, you know, the drop defensive end anymore. It's not as much three deep three under, but more man with that stuff. Now, if you block it right, you gash it, you know what I mean? And, and that's, so just give the security blanket of, okay, if we have to go with a full zone gang call or whatever some people call it, then, then just make sure you communicate. You know, and, and I'd say this to the guys all the time, as long as we're on the same page, we got a shot. It's when half the line's doing one thing and half the line's doing the other that we look like we haven't worked a day in our lives. You know, so, but, but yeah, that, so that's kind of security blanket to give them. But again, at almost all costs, we want to try and stay in our combinations. And, and, and that's the key. And you mentioned security blanket, and I remember this coming up, you know, early on. And fortunately, we had drilled it so much with our guys. Like, they would make line calls, 
to identify guys and get an idea pre-snap where they're moving to. But then, you know, teams would, I mean, they're, they're trying, you heard the success I shared, we're averaging 10.7. So, I mean, they're doing everything they can to mess us up, whether it's moving or stemming pre-snap. And so like, pre-snap these guys would stem and at first I get these young linemen doing it you know our first season and they're frustrated I'm like guys it's don't worry about the calls the calls are a security blanket go back to what we drill in practice where you guys are working in two-man combos it it will all work itself out so while you know I I hear coaches say that sometimes well you know you got to make so many calls I don't know if you could do it up tempo like you you handle all that stuff where it really becomes a, a call is almost redundant to what's what's going to happen if your guys understand and can have the eyes and the footwork and and also you know work with their hands the right way that the that they're going to handle everything and it goes back to those two-man combinations and I, I was thinking and you know just visualizing things that you know issues we had at first is you know guys seeing that 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 movement and being drawn to it and turning their hips right that lineman who turns his hips early instead of saying staying on his angle he's gonna he's gonna cause a log jam and jam everybody up and that that plays tackle right there so just uh, again the detail of it yeah no question and that again it just individual I think I think the days of when you run the wide zone play individual is almost harder than team you know and and you're getting you're trying to get as many reps as you can you know obviously being smart about it but just as many lot not live but but physical reps as you can of of things that defenses are going to do against you and and the one thing I think schematically because everyone you know we get the you know the stem fronts late and all that and if you just throw a couple quick count tosses in and just say hey we're going to run this one you know a couple times on a quick count and you catch them moving and you all of a sudden, you know, you, you shoot out the gate for 20 because they're trying to, you know, window dress their defense a little bit. I think you'll catch them. And, and one of the reasons I think the wide zone play is making such a comeback is because of the, all the walked up Mike and will linebacker plug looks, you know, and they can't, they can't get over top of anything when they do that. So, you know, I do think that that's, that's part of the reason. Yeah, definitely. You know, lo- looking at, the back path on this. We talked about this and I, I think it was back in that Alex Gibbs talking to the Florida staff and really helping them. They wanted to do it from gun. And I remember in that, in that talk with that staff, I mean, it was not a clinic. He's clinicking their staff. This wasn't like for an audience, his theory, his philosophy was he only wanted the back to either be, you know, coming from gun or be coming, coming from, you know, basically eye formation or, or, you know, tailback position. Cause he didn't want to change. He didn't want that guy having to basically have a different picture that the picture be, and I would agree with this, right? The picture is different if you are coming across and then making your cut versus if you're coming, you know, getting on your, on your track and coming downhill at it, there, it's difficult. And especially I think as you get into, you know, the, the high school level and as Hey, you're going to have those guys who could do whatever you want, but then there's going to be those guys you need to use maybe in either in a situation or with an injury that they need to be coached up on it. So your thoughts on that, and, and I know you said that was something you were adjusting to in, in as far as uh, the back and how the back has to do it. Yeah, I think that's something, you know, that we're certainly looking at now at Colgate and, and making sure we can marry everything up 
you know, and, and again, Colgate's run the ball and, and I'm excited to be a part of that, you know, so some of the stuff from, from Wagner and from, you know, some of the NFL stuff isn't going to probably go to there, but if I was running a ton of wide zone from the gun and we did it at Wagner, so I could, there's a little bit of, of, you know, experience with it. I think just keeping the backs path flat so he can get around any of the spike three techniques or spike five that we would wheel on. And I think keeping his landmark at tight ends, a uh, yard outside the uh, tight ends outside foot, it's a really wide landmark. And I think that's something that, that we went to that was good for us. Just keeping that as wide as you can, but just making sure he understands when he gets to that tackles, you know, the tackles, butt or maybe the B gap, he needs to start turning his shoulders and being able to attack those gaps on that 45, you know, so coming straight across the quarterback on the mesh, but then getting his shoulders to start to go to that 45 degree angle so he can read it DCBA, just like we would have from, from under center. So again, just trying to, trying to work that as much as possible as far as, you know, what, what, like I said, what I've done in the past at, at Wagner. So, and then we'll just, we'll see from a, from a Colgate standpoint, like I said, I mean, run the ball so well up there with the read game and all that. I'm excited to be part of that. But as far as just talking wide zone with you guys right now, going back to, to my days at Wagner, it was trying to come flatter across the quarterback from a mesh standpoint, keeping it deep enough. So the spike techniques, you can still stay solid on those and then getting the tailback to turn his shoulders once he gets to the, you know, as far as the B gap goes front side. So then he's almost on the same track on that 45 degree angle. Yeah, that that's exactly it. And, and you know, we, our read game when I was at BW came off of more of the inside zone and, and those type of runs. So we didn't necessarily do it off a wide zone and, and, and we would stay in pistol. Now you really can't do the wide zone read effectively as much from uh from pistol as as it is with like the inside game but it's exactly that so if you are going to do it it's almost like what will happen is you know his eyes will be on that down or that i don't want to say down it essentially becomes downhill on the track he's on it's just on that a little bit longer he has to run to that point to get his eyes there on that and it's exactly it like if we took a line and we put him you know, whatever it was, seven seven yards behind the quarterback or behind the, 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 the line of scrimmage and run him at that path, run him at his aim point, it's going to be the exact same thing. We're going to take a line and we're going to draw it across. He has to go parallel till he gets there. Be- because you're right, anything up into the line, we get into a little bit of trouble in the read. Then the read gets bad. That's the way to keep it, I think, consistent for him now it'll mean less time on that actual path when he gets there but still enough time to be able to to make that read and and see it from a similar perspective yep no, i think just exactly you know getting to the to the b gap or the c gap and the other thing i think when you're running it from the gun is you have to make sure for example if you're running to a you know to a to an open end and you have a a shade and a five and a backer in the middle, you know, in the B gap. So you got a shade on the center. You're going to reach him and you're going to work the the guard tackle combo on the five to the backer. And again, I think there's a couple different ways you can do that. I think if you have a great center, you can just say, hey, we're going to double this with the guard tackle up to the backer. But if the center is not great and you want to say solid on the right tackle and you want the center and the 
the right guard to work together. So the right guard gives a hand to help that center on his way to the backer. Um, I think the biggest thing that you have to do is make sure the running back knows you have to stretch this, you know, because the worst part is if you're the right tackle and you reach the five and the running back cuts it in the B gap and he's supposed to be outside because of his hat, you know, it's just forcing the tailback to understand it might from the gun. It might be a little longer of a feeling play to keep it front side, you know, and that was one of the issues for me coaching the O-line was, okay, my right tackle, he has the five technique reached, but the running back's cutting it into the middle because he thinks it's open and the five falls off and makes the play. You know, everybody's seen it. He falls off in the B and A gap. So I just think, again, going back to Alex Gibbs and and all these guys and, and, and all the guys that are running the wide zone play now, coaching the running back, making sure he understands, you know, that we're reading this thing outside in and pressing the point before he makes a cut. Well, Coach, a lot of great detail here. I know for you, the workday doesn't stop for you. You guys are finding a way, as most coaches are around the country, to work remotely, staying in contact with uh, your colleagues, your recruits. And I appreciate you, though, during this time, taking some time with us and, and sharing with coaches here as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Again, thoughts and, and prayers and to everybody in the country going through this right now. It's certainly unprecedented. And, and, you know, with everybody's help and everybody's effort, we'll get back to normalcy somewhat soon and and hopefully get back to, to playing ball in the fall. But obviously right now it's bigger than football and just making sure everybody stays as healthy and safe as they can. And just real quick for our coaches out there, share with them contact info as well as the areas you recruit around the country. Yeah, my Twitter Twitter handle is at jhotailing1. It's Jason Hotailing, offensive line coach at Colgate University. You can get online, and my email is right there on the Colgate website. And I'll be recruiting Section 4 in New York, so the Binghamton area, Binghamton, Elmira, that area, and also Georgia and Florida, my two areas as far as my states go. There's like some other secondary areas, Colorado being one of them. We're still working through, but, but yeah, anything, anytime anyone wants to contact me, Twitter is probably the easiest way or my email, my Colgate email. Awesome. Thanks again, coach. All right, Keith. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to the coaching coordinator podcast. Please. If you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five star for rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the coaching coordinator podcast that's at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on twitter at coach k grabowski